Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Dina Cataldo. She is a lawyer, life and business coach, helping lawyers build the life and practice they deserve. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amy. So good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So how did you become a coach for lawyers? Ooh, so that is a fun one for me. That took me on a really big divergence from my legal career as a criminal prosecutor. I had been diagnosed with 29 years old and I went through all the chemotherapy and did all of that stuff and it felt like a vacation. And so at that point I realized, well, that doesn't seem quite right to me that chemo feels so good. <laughs> so I started looking into, well, what else interests me? And as I kind of went on this journey to kind of figure out what interests me in addition to, or besides the law, I discovered entrepreneurship and within entrepreneurship, there's these circles of coaches that have these tools that no one teaches lawyers, time management, mind management. And I started applying them to my legal career and I started enjoying the practice of law again. And so it was really an eye-opener to see how there's all these tools available in different professions, all of these things that were never taught in law school. And I wanted to teach them to lawyers because I was seeing so many of them burn out at the DA's office where I was working and in other legal professions when I talked to my friends. And I just knew coaching was a way that I could really help lawyers. Yeah, I love that. So in walking through your journey now, what are you grateful for? Oh my gosh, everything. I mean, breast cancer was like the best thing that ever happened to me because it was something that I could, I, I really started to recognize like, oh, I was living in autopilot. I wasn't recognizing what I really wanted. I was just working. I was a total workaholic and I was looking outside of myself for validation and belonging and all of those things. And I was proving my self-worth through my work. And that's something I, I learned that was not helping me long-term. And it definitely wasn't helping me establish a nice, healthy lifestyle that I wanted to have. So you work with ambitious lawyers that are overwhelmed. What are some of the causes that overwhelm them? Well, here's the thing. There's one cause and everybody's going to hate to hear the cause. Okay. It's our thoughts. They're going to hate hearing that, but it is a hundred percent true. And I wanted to just kind of run through some of the symptoms because oftentimes we think we categorize like all of these things we tell ourselves as causing the overwhelm. They're really just symptoms of what the real root cause is, which is what we're thinking about our work. So symptoms that I had, I'll just talk about my personal experience was I was a little snappy with people. Like I would be really annoyed very easily. And then later on, I'd have to apologize about it. Right. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to blah, blah, blah. But that was what I didn't realize a symptom of what I was experiencing as overwhelm based on what I was thinking about my work. And a lot of times we can tell what we're thinking about our work and if things are working in our practice when we look at our language. So if we're saying things like, I'm so busy, I just have so much to do. If you're in the elevator, like I used to be with um, other attorneys and you ask them how they're doing, 
so many times you'll get a response. It's like, I'm just so busy. It's like, okay, thanks. Like that kind of puts a dead end on a conversation. So you're disconnecting from other people. And those are just some of the symptoms that will pop up when someone is overwhelmed. There's so many symptoms and we can talk more about those too. What are the, some of the ways that you help them manage the overwhelm? Yeah. The first thing that I do with my clients is really start to get an understanding of what their brain is telling them all the time. I break it down looking at, okay, where are you focusing your attention on most often? And most of the time they're focusing their brain on, I'm really busy. Like these are all the thoughts they're thinking. I'm really busy. I don't have time. I am confused. I don't know where to start. Those are a lot of the thoughts, right? It's showing up in their day, like procrastination. They're not able to focus on writing a brief and they start worrying and all of this tension is being created in their body, which is not helping them be productive. And so I start to just kind of like pull them back and get like an aerial view of their day and start asking them, well, where are you spending your time? Because if you're spending your time a lot in worry or doing things that aren't beneficial to your practice, like you're not doing the most beneficial actions in your practice. And instead you're looking at, well, I have to get everything done this week, right? we got to narrow it down. It's like, do you really need to get that thing done this week? So I start questioning every time they say something like, well, I feel really overwhelmed. Well, why do you feel overwhelmed? Well, I have this one particular project that's been on my mind and it's been lingering. Okay. What is that project? Let's get really specific. Is it due this week? Well, no, it's due like three months from now, but it's just been on my mind and there's just so many parts to it. I said, okay, let's take that one project. What parts are due this week? Well, nothing's due this week. Okay. Well, what's due next week? Well, okay. There's one thing that's due next week. Okay. Let's break that down in as simple as possible. Cause that's really where sometimes they'll get into overwhelm is they'll have a project in mind or a trial in mind. And they think everything has to be done this week. Logically, they know that's not true, but their brain is like just putting all of this pressure on them saying that they're behind, they need to get this stuff done so that they can then work on this project. So I help them really simplify it, start questioning their brain and start really asking themselves, is it really true that this needs to be done right now? Is there anything that needs to be prioritized here? And I also teach them other strategies like how to manage their calendar, but that's a really big one is just understanding that their brain is often lying to them when it's telling them things need to get done right now. Yeah, that's good. What ways can they start to put themselves first? Yeah. So that's actually one of the strategies I teach them. The first thing they need to do is get a calendar. A lot of lawyers that I work with, and I don't know about everyone that is listening to this podcast, don't use calendars. And they have a lot of thoughts about calendars. Like they're a waste of time or they're boring, or they're going to get more done if they just jump in instead of doing the calendar. That's a bunch of baloney that is not going to help them (laughs) be more productive right? So I used to have the same thoughts. So I totally get it. I hundred percent understand. I didn't like calendars. I didn't really understand how they were useful to me. And once I started changing my thoughts, I really looked at why I wasn't doing the calendar and questioning all of those thoughts and getting into the habit, just baby steps of creating a calendar that 
helped me with everything. I was able to run a trial so much more effectively and take care of myself so much better while I was running that trial than I ever had before because I knew exactly what had to happen. I could prioritize. And so once we like, when I work with my clients, that's one barrier. It's just like getting their brain on board, right? And I'll, I can run through like what I teach my clients about how to start a calendar and how to really have one that puts them first at the heart of it. But I want to share before I do that, that this is my way of doing things. And I also want to share that everybody who starts this needs to be able to keep coming back to it because there's going to be weeks they don't want to do it. And so often we want to tell ourselves we're we're a failure. We can't do it. It's too hard. It's not for me after we do it one or two weeks, commit to this for 90 days. So if you decide, like if you're listening to this right now and you decide, Hey, I want to try this thing. Dina said with my calendar, commit to it for 90 days. You are not a failure because you skip a week. You are not doing anything wrong because it's not perfect. Because if you, you deal with high achievers too, Amy, like this is like you, high achievers, we're such perfectionists. And so getting out of that perfectionism mode with our calendar is really important if we want to start tackling the overwhelm. So with that caveat, I will, I will share with you what I teach them. So step one, get out a pad of paper. Okay. Pad of paper. This is going to take an hour max for your calendar. You could do it like Monday morning. You can do it Sunday evening, whatever works for you. It doesn't matter. Take 60 minutes out of your day before you start your week, grab a notepad. Step one, write down everything your brain is telling you to do, right? Write down all the things, everything your brain is telling you, whether it's like clean out the closet or do a million to do tasks, whatever it is. I did this earlier this week. I had like two and a half pages, of just everything. Spend 20 minutes doing that. Just keep writing. Like no matter what, just keep asking your brain, what else do I need to do? What, are, what else do I need to do? The first couple of weeks, you're going to have a ton of stuff on your list. And then slowly you'll start to see, oh, okay. I'll start being able to, to scratch things off. It's not that important to me. So step two, go through your list and see I like to get an overview and be like, there's just no way this is all going to happen. So what do I need to cross out? What is not a priority? Okay. Cross out the things that I don't need to clean the closet this week. I don't have time for that. I don't need to clean out the garage. I don't need to go to Home Depot this week, whatever it is. Like I will just, I will put my calendar. This is what I want to do. Now, the third thing that you're going to want to do is go through each item of the, each item that you decided you want to keep and estimate how long you think those items are going to be. Now, this is where I get a little pushback because people will tell me, I don't know how long it takes to write a brief. I don't know how long it takes to research a topic. I have no idea. Guess. Okay. Because it's going to take as long as you give it to take. And I know this because I've been given research projects over the lunch hour when I was in trial and I could have spent all day doing that research, or I could have like the judge tell me you have one hour to get this research done and I will make it happen in one hour. So decide how long it's going to take. So that's like the very first, the very first step in a nutshell, right? Those three things, write it all down, cross out what doesn't need to be done, estimate your times. Now, now that I've said all of that, what you probably didn't put on that list, if you're trying this is me time. 
Most of us don't put our me time on there. And so what's really important is to look at your calendar before you put any of the things that were on your list and decide how you want to take care of yourself this week. So now we're looking at the step two nutshell, which is number one, put yourself on the calendar first. And what that looks like for me is having quiet time in the morning, right? I like to have my coffee journal, maybe read, take my dog on a walk. Like I put these things on my calendar because they make me a better human. And if I don't do those things, it's, it's not going to end well for me during the day. And people around me are not going to like me. And then step two is then I'll put my family time on there. Like if if I want to spend time with family or friends that goes on there. And step three is everything else, right? Do you do any of those things? Do you make time for yourself? Yeah. I don't schedule it, like, uh, write it out. I think I used to, but because I work from home and it's just me. So I don't have to necessarily worry about somebody else taking up my time aside from if I'm working with a client or something. So, but I do make sure that I have a dog that I could take out for walks. I make sure that I do yoga. I make sure that I do certain breathing exercises and all of that. So I have my way of doing it and, and I make sure I force myself to do hobbies every day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that, I think that out of everything is what has gotten me out of kind of workaholism. Cause I will workaholic and, and just like burn myself out. Yeah. Especially if I'm really dealing with a problem or something that's got me stumped, I'll just keep on work, working and working. But how many times like you step away, you go for a walk and you're like, Oh, I, I have the solution now. And yeah, I, you know, exactly. yeah, I, so. I see that a lot with my clients. Like I'll have, I had one lawyer come to me and she said, I'm just not going to the bathroom during the day. Like I have my calendar scheduled such that I need to put time in to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, put some white space in there. So like, if you're making up a calendar, like you're listening to this and you're making up this calendar, don't book things back to back to back on your calendar, create some white space so you can go to the bathroom so that you can like have like a little bit of space in there so that if you're checking your email and you go a couple minutes over, it's okay. So you can get up and go for a walk if you need to. And one other thing I see, cause yeah, workaholism is so real when we're high performers, I will see lawyers who have this tendency to fill in their Thursday and Friday nights as if they're going to be working on Thursday and Friday. Cause those are like the lazy nights of the week. And yet people insist on bringing work home and putting things on their calendar and saying, yes, I'm going to do it. And then they don't do it. And they feel like crap later. Like they guilt themselves. They feel horrible. And I just want to offer that if you're doing that, please don't do that. It's painful for you. And also it's okay if you're not working all the time, like, honestly, you don't need to be working all the time. You'll actually be more productive and you'll be more focused when you give yourself space away from the work and allow yourself the, the time to take care of yourself. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I used to feel guilty uh, for sleeping in. Oh, and when yeah. I say sleeping in, like I get up at seven every day, but I don't set an alarm. Mm-hmm. And be- my logic is I need that sleep. And now that I work for myself, I can do that. But I work really, really hard during the day. And sometimes I work late, which is fine with me. But yeah, I used to get like that where, oh, I can't, 
I should be getting up at five. I should be working 20 hour days. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. like there's like, somehow there's this definition that if you work for yourself, you need to be a workaholic. Or if you are in a high power position or you're doing like a lot of really important work that somehow the workaholism is so it just has to be there. Like you have to do these certain things. And when you start to question it, like why? Is it actually going to produce more? Is it actually going to get you to your goal faster? No, no, if not. And I found that if I give myself rest, then I'm super productive. If I don't, and like, let's say I even decide I'm just going to work through the weekend. Just, I just want to get a little work done during the weekend. I will then be worthless the next week. Yeah. Cause I didn't rest. So that's something that I learned really, really quickly that rest is really important and you shouldn't feel bad for it. Yeah. And I, and I also, I just noticed this tendency with lawyers and especially if you're working in a firm where you have kind of an old school guard of partners who are saying like, well, you need to stay late in order to show how interested you're in making partner or you need to get here early, or you need to make X billable hours in order to prove your worth to the firm, those kind of metrics are not helpful. Like they do not show a firm your value to their clients. What their clients are interested in is a result. They don't care how late you're at the office. They don't care if you're showing your face at meetings. Like what they care about is that you're getting them results and that you are working for them to help them and their interests. They're not interested in what the partners are interested in, which is we want to see X billable hours. Right? Yes. I remember that a lot at Deloitte. Mm. And even if it wasn't client facing, you still had to enter your billable hours, right? And it was, to your point, it was never around are you producing more results with those hours? It was just, what are the hours? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, And and it's changing so slowly. Like the more we talk about this, the more we start outing all of these practices that don't make sense and starting to kind of shed light on the legal profession and all of these other professions where they're not implementing the lifestyle choices that all of these entrepreneurial people who are making a lot of money and serving people at a really high level, they're implementing. Like the more we talk about it, the more I think the legal profession is going to be pressured into taking this on. Like Mm -hmm. I was reading an article earlier today from um, the American Bar Association, which confirmed, which what all of us knew in the legal profession, right? Is like about a quarter of associates are just picking up and leaving their firms, right? You have people who are just, they're now people who are lateral hires, like they're making a ton more money because they're getting these offers from firms that are astronomical. They're just unhappy at their firm. So they're, they're jumping ship. Like there's a reason for it. And firms need to see this. Like we, as lawyers are not all happy just by making more money. Like we want to feel fulfilled. We want freedom. Like these last couple of years have really showed us like freedom is so important to us and having some autonomy in our workplace. And a lot of these firms are not offering that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. So if somebody has never really done uh, life coaching with anybody, what does, what can they expect from one of your sessions with them? 
Oh yeah. So when I work with my clients, we are really, it's funny. We start talking about like, we're very focused on their goal, right? So I do a a kickoff session with them where we get really focused on what they want and all of that. And then as we're progressing through our coaching, like I'm helping them, but then things come up, right? So life comes up. So we'll talk about a partner meeting that's coming up and how they want to show up for it. And when they, and when we talk about those things, it calms their whole calendar down. Mm -hmm. They become more focused during the week and then they perform at a higher level in those partner meetings. And so it's really interesting to see like things that they don't anticipate being impactful to their day and to their week. When we start shedding light on them in the coaching sessions, it starts to really impact their confidence levels. It starts to impact how they're interacting with their teams, how they're interacting with other associates, those kinds of things, and how they are really helping their clients and themselves. They'll be like, oh my gosh, like this weekend, I was so calm. Like after that session we had, I didn't even think about it. I didn't ruminate on things this weekend. And that helped them rejuvenate so they could show up the way they wanted to. So that's like long-term how we work together. What are some of your client success stories? Yeah. So I have a few clients right now. They're, they're all different things, right? So one client who is building her practice is she came from like had her own practice. She was super frustrated. She really was working herself to the bone and not making a ton of money. And she worked on her money mindset with me. And basically she felt like she couldn't charge for consults because she didn't know that she was creating value and she was afraid that all of her consoles were going to dry up. And of course that didn't happen. Like we worked on her mindset. She started charging for consults and people kept coming and they kept signing and she raised her prices and realized like, oh, wow, people are really getting a lot of value from this. And I'm, I'm packed. Like I, I don't have any more room for anyone to sign up. And before she started working with me, what she would do is she didn't really have any rhyme or reason to her calendar. She just gave it to her assistant and her assistant would just stuff consults in wherever there was a time slot. I was like, no, 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 no. You cannot do that because you've got to be in charge of your calendar. How many consults do you want a week? Because otherwise you're not going to get any work done. She's just going to stuff in consults. You've got to block time methodically. So if you're doing this, if you're listening to this and you've got any kind of business where you've got consults, you want to make sure like you're in charge of your calendar and you are communicating very clearly with your assistant. We we worked on that in particular because a lot of times we will communicate with people or we will assume that we had one conversation. And then of course they're going to do as we had requested, but we'll start to make a little exception here and there. And so then the person we talk to our assistant then thinks, oh, well, it's okay for me to stuff uh, an appointment here or there. It's like, no, you've got to say, okay, look, maybe I, maybe I haven't communicated very well in the past. And I've made some exceptions in the past, but I really need to have my consult set up in this way. And here's why it really keeps me sane. It helps me get my work done during the week. I can serve people at a higher level. I'm prepared. I feel together. So like having that communication is key about your calendar. I have another client who came to me because she was doing exactly, or she wanted to do exactly what I was doing, which was building a business on top of her legal profession. And so she came to me not really knowing exactly what she wanted to do. 
And she found herself kind of spinning out and procrastinating. And she wasn't really deciding between the choices, the goals that she had. And so we started focusing her on what she wanted to do, which seemed like the most powerful drive that she had. And she created a business on top of her, her law firm job. She's a full-time partner. She built a business, she's making money at it. And she's going through all of the mindset of marketing and showing up for her people and keeping her practice calm at the same time. So she's not killing herself. Like, so those are two of the ones that I just, I love to see like that kind of progress where they're not killing themselves. They're starting to really focus in their practices and do what they love, not just what they're told they should love or, or work how they've been told they should be working. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Invest in myself more hundred percent. Like I look back and I had, I had some money mindset issues myself, right? It's like, I, I which is really funny because we invest so much money in ourselves as lawyers to get the law degree. And then at some, we're like, well, I just, I shouldn't be spending any money. Like that's just, I, I shouldn't be. And that was me particular. I, I grew up in a, a low income family. I never, you know, I had some money and security issues, but what I didn't realize was that, that I created that security or insecurity with my thoughts. They had nothing to do with what was outside of myself. And if I didn't believe in myself and have faith in myself and enough so that I could invest in, in myself, no one else was going to have that same faith. Like I needed to have that belief in myself. And when I also look back, I see like when I invested in myself, that's when I saw the biggest growth for myself. Like I I could not have grown. I could not have left my law job. I could not have become a coach if I didn't invest in myself and the skills that I needed. And really when I did that, my confidence grew enormously. If there's someone that's listening and they would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? The very first thing I would recommend for anybody who like, if this has clicked with somebody like to go listen to my podcast, uh, it's called be a better lawyer podcast. And that's a really great starting point because that's going to give you so much when it comes to my vibe, what I talk about, what I'm all about. I'll definitely, if overwhelm speaks to you, like you'll definitely have some some good podcasts in there. And then like I work with clients one-on-one. So if they're listening to that podcast and they're like, yes, this is exactly what I need. Then they can schedule a one-on-one appointment with me at dinacataldo.com. Perfect. I'll put all those links down below. Dina, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your expertise. Oh, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Yeah. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.